You are Locked On Browns, your daily podcast covering the Cleveland Browns, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Uh, hello, everybody, for what will be your Wednesday edition of Locked On Browns. Um, we're going to get John Costco in here for some thoughts. Uh, we'll get some thoughts from the game, obviously, on Sunday, player grades. Um, and once again, uh, Locked On Browns, I mean, Locked On Network and PFF um, combined here for the last half of the season. Uh, always nice to see everybody working together. Um, but as you guys know, I was always going to do these shows with John anyway when we can. So that obviously didn't change uh, too much. Your Wednesday edition of Locked On Browns is brought to you by Pepsi. This football season will be different. And Pepsi is here to get you ready for game day, no matter how you watch the season. Pepsi is the refreshment you need to power through game day and become a member of the League of Football Watchers. These passionate fans are the real generational talent that Pepsi fuels because Pepsi is made for those who watch the game. It is not made for those who play the game. Pepsi, made for football watching. Mr. Costco, sir, first things first. Um, you know, Obviously, now the Brown, Cleveland Browns are 6-3, and three, um, and, you know, Assuming everybody would like for it to be a little bit prettier. Enough with that talk already. I mean, like, uh, my God, uh, look, I, it's six and three. And most of you, and for the three and a half years I've been doing this, uh, this is what I've been waiting for. Um, you know, as we usually do, John will go on the offensive side, defensive side of the ball, just some general thoughts. Um, but, John, um, look, it's, you know, it, it, it's great to throw the ball. And it's pretty, you know, a lot of teams, that's what's essential to them in the 2020 NFL. Uh, I don't think it's essential. Hell, it might not even be needed. Um, once this team is right and you have Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, you bring back Wyatt Teller, and maybe it took him about three or four snaps to, you know, and I was actually talking to someone close with Wyatt, and they're like, well, it started a little slow. And I said, well, you know, crashing into three other 300-pound people, you know, 50, 60 times a game. If you don't do it for a month, it may take a little bit of getting used to again. Um, but 77 back, it, you know, basically it, it wasn't just a mirage um, after a month off, came right back in, you know, 231 yards on the ground from this team. Yeah, uh, I, I will say that passing is needed. It's going to be needed at some point. But um, when you have weather conditions like they had um, the, the past two games, I don't think you're able to pass. Um, so I think that's a huge that's a huge thing, right? So when you um, have a running attack like the Browns do when you get a guy like Wyatt Teller back. I think that is what is key. So, like, Wyatt Teller, um, everybody talks about Nick Chubb being back. And to me, Nick Chubb didn't look 100%. I think he had a good game because of it's boosted by a big, what was it, a 60-yard run that put him over 100 yards and, and everything, and he had the touchdown. But Largely, I think his his he was held mostly in check, and I think Kareem Hunt looked like the more explosive guy. So when you have a white teller that came back um, and did what he was able to do, um, and he, like you said, he he started off maybe a little bit slow, but when it came to the fourth quarter, when it when he needed it, when the team really needed him, there were he had seven positively graded run plays, um, and he had five the rest of the game. So, um, you know, previously, so he really came on strong in the fourth quarter when you, when you needed the most. Um, and that's kind of what you kind of want when you have a lead in the game and whatnot. So, um, him being back, I think is, is a huge, huge thing for this Browns offense. You look at, um, that how they, they just hadn't been able to really rush the ball, you know, extremely effectively the past four games, he comes back. Boom! They're 
putting up to over 200 yards on the ground. Um, granted, the Texas defense isn't great, but like when in the, when you have those wind conditions, like these last few games, the, I mean, winds of 60 miles an hour, you know, gusts of up to that, you're not going to be able to throw the, throw the ball. You're just not. So you have to be able to, to be multidimensional. And the Browns at least have that. So um, that is a, a good thing moving forward. And I don't think you're going to see consistently games where the Browns have to throw into winds like that. So um, it's tough to evaluate the past game the past two weeks and at least the, the running game with their full slate of guys uh, was dominating again. Yeah, it's they. It's just it's just a dominating dominating part of their offense, um, and every one of the offensive linemen. Um, and you start to even get you know the tight ends contributing. Uh, and you know, look, the time of the year where weather's going to be more of a factor. Um, you know, and I do. I, I think you know Nick. I think Nick was good enough to go. I don't think he was the Nick Chubb that we've you know grown accustomed to, which is you know probably understandable. Still working his way back. Um, and you know, there was talk that Wyatt Taylor maybe was ready to go for the Raider game. So him looking fresher obviously does make sense. Um, they just wanted to give him, uh, the, well, essentially the extra two weeks that he got, um, the offensive side of the ball. And this is weird, John, since the last time we spoke, we told we spoke, you know, during the Bengal game and it was like, all right, you know, this is the Baker we were kind of accustomed to in 2018. Um, basically have to take the last two weeks and kind of just, you know, basically throw them out the window. Um, like you said, and you know, John played, you, I played, obviously. Um, look, I'll take rain, I'll take snow. Uh, the wind, it's just like, you know, because you don't, you know, ball becomes a knuckleball, and then all of a sudden when the, the the gale force winds die down out of nowhere, all of a sudden, you know, your quarterback throws you a ball that now looks like it's coming at 975 miles an hour, and you're not ready for it. Um, that's when you start, you know, bending appendages, fingers, and knuckles start popping out and shit. Um, but it, it just, it's just brutal to do. Um, there's already talk of maybe, you know, Weather again for Sunday as Philadelphia comes to town, uh, ironically enough. Um, but, you know, Browns are in a very difficult decision. Um, obviously, this was a much a year for evaluation of quarterback number six. Um, and, you know, where we were, you know, we had you know, some nerves about where the future is going to be, franchise tag. So, you know, so I mean, uh, I'm sorry, fifth year option, things of that nature. But now you get here and now it's down to, you know, seven games and possibly a playoff game. Um, but just a lot of the table and, you know, they have to see, you know, without Odell, of course, um, and, you know, with the full complement, because they're still really deep at the skill position. Although I, I think the one problem, maybe question I do have here is, is John right now would maybe be if they get ideal conditions is, you know, how well can this passing game look? We don't know enough about Donovan Peoples-Jones. Um, I don't know who the wide receiver one is on this team, essentially. Uh, so it's going to be even making an even tougher evaluation on Baker. And it's not that just Odell is out. It's just what the rest of what he's working with, you know, essentially at the wide receiver position. I think, I think you can, right. Like you throw out the last two games in terms of the evaluation, but what he's done, you know, the seven previous games, he was grading poorly, right? So he's a 64.8 other than the, the Bengals game. Basically, the two Bengals games, he's just been not not really a good quarterback this year. Um, yes, we're going to have the rest of the season left to potentially be able to, to evaluate him. Um, who knows what the – you know, you've got a game in Jacksonville that's likely going to be good weather. Uh, in Tennessee, that's likely going to be good weather. Baltimore will be iffy, right? And then you've got two games in New York and finishing at home with the Steelers. So it's going to be up and down with the weather, but I, I just don't, I can't assume that it's going to be any worse than it was the past two games. 
Um, and really when you look, then you're going to have to start looking at, all right, did he actually improve? Did he start making better decisions? Was he going through his progressions? Was he, how was he reading the defense? Stuff like that, rather than the, was he hitting his throws or not? Um, because in that Bengals game, when, after OBJ went out, after basically after that, that first quarter, he was doing all the things you'd want out of your franchise quarterback. But it's only a three-quarter sample size that we see from him out after a year and a half of, of not being able to do that. So for for the evaluation of Baker moving forward, um, really you hope to see you know more normal weather, which I expect to see. Um, and it's going to be up in the air for sure because I, I think – you look at the Browns, how this this offense is, and I don't even look at the wide receiver, right? Like the yes, you you lost OBJ, you know, top ten wide receiver in the NFL, but look what he did in, in twenty eighteen as a rookie, and and how he was he was basically lighting it up with a worse receiving group than he has now. Um, with, you know, so I, I would just have to say that he can still you can still get a good evaluation. Is he making doing the right things and going through his progression, getting you into the right calls? Um, versus what he had been doing the past year and a half, which is not knowing where to go with the football, being really, really indecisive in a pocket, bailing out of clean pockets, uh, and just generally not looking like what you'd want out of quarterback. So um, there's still time to evaluate it, and we'll, we'll find out. So I think I think is this last you know six games or seven games is going to be huge for him. Uh, it's it's certainly you know. It, it's one of the you know biggest talking points of this season, along with the you know obviously the growth of you know the offense and the potential that is there, um, and you know of course you know, where we are currently with the defense, which we'll get to here in a minute as we roll through your Wednesday edition of Lockdown Browns with John Costco. One more thing there too, so I, I didn't say with the Browns offense. They are grades. They're number three in the NFL. If you eliminate the quarterback, they're, they become number one. And of the top 12 teams in our grades, like overall offensive grades, he has the worst grade among all those quarterbacks. So you, this offense has that potential to really be at that that elite level, um, but Baker has to take them there uh, because they, they are playing really well around him right now. And that will be it. I mean, the quarterback position is a – that's the limiting factor when it comes to playoff time. So there you have it, folks. When it comes to getting or staying in shape, um, and maybe everybody's feeling a little bit of the COVID-15, uh, nothing feels as good as that feeling of accomplishment, of hitting your fitness goals and feeling great about yourself. Echelon can get you there. Echelon offers the next generation of connected fitness bikes, fitness mirrors, rowing machines, and their all-new Echelon Stride Smart Treadmill. No matter what your favorite fitness activity, Echelon gives you a fun and challenging workout from the comfort and safety of your own home. Their world-class instructors will motivate you with thousands of daily live and on-demand studio-level classes always available when you need them. Unlike the competitors, Echelon is affordable for everyone, and one membership lets up to five family members all work out at the same time. Right now, you can try any Echelon fitness equipment at home for 30 days. Go to echelonfit.com slash locked, L-O-C-K-E-D. That's E-C-H-E-L-O-N fit, 
com slash NFL. The defensive side of the ball, John, and this continues, and we kind of do. We had two guys on defense. You had a cornerback. You have Miles Garrett, who's actually kind of coming leveling back to the rest of the league. Look, I mean, I, I think it's safe to say maybe he was playing at an unsustainable pace. Um, but the emergence of number 33, um, and this is one of been one of probably, and I don't want to say it's a surprise, um, but it, it has certainly been a nice addition here. Um, to think that this safety room would have been Carl Joseph and essentially Andrew Sendejo for 16 games after the loss of Grant Delpit probably would enough to have everybody, you know, basically, you know, switching in beer for hard liquor of choice. Um, but Ronnie Harris has become a really, really nice addition. And for where this defense wants to trend and they want to be a defensive line oriented team and a secondary oriented team, it's at least nice to know you got a, a, another member of what could be, you know, the future of that defensive back group. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Harrison has been excellent since, since he's basically become a mainstay in the, in the lineup. Right. So like he wasn't, he saw snaps sparingly in the first couple of weeks that he, you know, the season and then basically was, you know, supplanted Carl Joseph. And since he's done that, you know, he's, he's grading as a, the fifth best safety in the NFL at a, at a 79.1. His coverage grade is a 78. I mean, it's across the board, he's just really solid pass. Even when, he, when he's asked to rush the passer, he's done an excellent job. He has eight pass rushes. He's pressured the quarterback five times on those. So uh, those are good numbers, uh, kids. So um, he continues to do that. Uh, I mean, you've got to, especially when you get looking future-wise, uh, the Browns really found a steal, I would just have to say, because he's being utilized properly and he's just, he's an instinctive player. And um, I would say that like, I, I wasn't a huge fan of his and when, you know, the first two years in Jacksonville, because I, I thought he underperformed and, and especially from a great standpoint, you know, run defense was where you thought that he would be really have a strong suit and maybe be okay in coverage. And he was okay in coverage. It was a 68 and the six, basically 68, two straight years in Jacksonville, but his run defense was 49 and a 44. This year, he's really stepped up, stepped it up in all facets. 68.0 in, in the run defense, 78, you know, in the, in the coverage. So he's just been around the ball, uh, makes plays, and just, I mean, really helped solidify that back end uh, because this defense was was badly needing, a, uh, you know, that that consistency back there that Carl Joseph just wasn't providing. And, and granted that Andrew Sandejo isn't providing it as well, but at least Andrew Sandejo, I think a lot of people give him blamed every single bust and stuff like that on him. And they're not all on him while he still isn't playing well. So um, I think it was a combination. <laughs> it was a combination of this. It's like bad, yeah, but it ain't that bad. <laughs> right. So like it's Carl, Carl Joseph versus Andrew Sandejo. I think the, the better player back there of being able to get the guys in the right spots is probably Andrew Sandejo. And so like, they're both equal at playing poorly. I think you want the, the more, more intelligent, more instinctive guy back there rather than just a, I, I don't think Carl Joseph knew what he was doing at half the time. And that's fine. Like maybe he's just still learning the defense and maybe he can, you know, grow into it, but he's not, he definitely was not picking up the defense what the way you needed to. And Ronnie Harrison did, which is amazing how he, he came in so late. And one of the things obviously, like uh, I think we probably talked about this is how Nick Saban really loved Ronnie Harrison at Alabama because he was the quarterback of that defense. And I think that's kind of showing how, how he's able to quickly pick up this defense, which is a is a decently complex defense. Um, 
Joe Woods is doing an excellent job with that with that group. When we can go, I can go off for you know another ten minutes on how well Joe Woods is doing. But Ronnie Harrison did a really good job picking up the defense and just playing as a top five safety in NFL right now. John Miles Garrett, um, is it more of he was playing at an unsustainable? pace or are there some things that are being noticed which is you know has maybe the numbers down a little bit and the grade down a little bit I I don't think he was at an unsustainable pace because I think he was at this pace last year I think um you part of it is team teams will recognize there's not another strong pass rusher on that defensive line that they can they can put more help towards Miles Garrett's side um, so you look at the, you know, I was, I was looking at this and I tweeted this out today. Uh, in the first four weeks of the season, Miles Garrett's pass rush grade was a 91.4. Since then, it's a 69.5. If you kind of split it down into weeks one to four and then, you know, five to seven and in the last two games where he was hurt, um, he took a small step back to like an 82.3 uh, pass rush grade. Same kind of win percentage. He just wasn't as quick winning those. So the past two games, I would have to say for sure, it's more of an injury thing. Um, why his grade has kind of gone down a tank in, in the in this time frame. Um, so I, I think that for him, uh, he definitely just needs to get healthy, and hopefully he can get back to that because uh, that even that level of play where he was from one, weeks one to to seven was was obviously excellent. It's just the past two games have been quite poor and part of it maybe maybe is the the cold thing or the wind thing that's really affected him with his injury um but i don't think it was unsustainable because he was showing this this level of consistency last year before he got suspended um and and you know maybe just you know just time and maybe turn it back on and it it does almost seem kind of like chippy with the rest of this defense that we're kind of (laughs) pointing to miles garrett and saying well, he, his, his play's down a little bit. He's only killing the quarterback, you know, seven times a game as opposed to what he was doing at 12 and 13. Um, but, John, as far as this defense and outside of the three names we know, is there anybody that, you know, we can at least say, hey, there's a guy that's at least maybe pulling his weight? Uh, I mean, I think Malcolm Smith is doing a really good job in the linebacker group, um, especially in coverage. His run defense has never been the strong suit. Um, so he's a guy that you want out there in, in pa- passing situations, and his grade there is a 74.3. I, I would say that Terrence Mitchell, while he does get picked on a bit more, obviously, than and Ward, he's not that level. I think he's played a serviceable level. I, I don't. He's not a guy that you want to be your your permanent starter there, but he's done a good enough job to not be. A, he's a middle of the road to the back of the road cornerback number two. Middle middle of the road for sure, exactly, and that's and you want to improve at that, but I think the issue with this defense is pretty much everywhere else. So like Ronnie Harrison, Denzel Ward, uh, Miles Garrett. And then I, I don't think Mitchell's an issue, but you know, you brought in um, Kevin Johnson who just has not played up to that level. What you wanted him like he was doing in Buffalo last year, um, 53.3 level. Uh, there's not a lot of, I mean, Sheldrick Redwine has been sparingly used. He's a 73.0 in, in coverage, which is, which is good. Um, but, Really, it's there's not a lot great in terms of over the course of the season what has happened, and you hope that these guys start taking to this coaching and the system and start improving. And I, I would ex- actually expect that to happen because um, I think I think defensive football in the beginning of the season across the board has been poor. So I think there's I think there are good players on this defense, 
And I, I just don't, I, you know, Mac Wilson right now is playing as great as a 29.8. He, he's, he's not a good player, but he's not that bad. Right. Like he's, I, I just refuse to believe that he's that bad. So I have to expect him to, to re, kind of regress and get better from that. Um, same with, same with even Carl Joseph. When he's out there. He's a 50.2. I, I refuse to believe that he's a 50.2 type player because on, on his grades throughout the rest of his career have been mid sixties. So you know, after mid sixties and up into almost into the seventies, I have to assume that he, he that would get better learn when he learned the system. So weird, it's a, obviously an incredibly weird off season for for defenses, and a lot of that is communication. Like when you have a communication breakdown in defense, things go to the house. When you have a communication breakdown on offense, it's like oh, we get stuff for a two yard loss on a run. You know, you, you can live to play another down and get things shored up. On defense, it's like that. That was a backbreaker. You just gave up a sixty-yard touchdown. So, there's while the grades don't show very well for this defense, I think you're seeing that a lot throughout the NFL. And I think, I think this coaching staff is good enough to get these guys trending in the right direction. Sunday was Sunday overall grade-wise, their one of their best performances of the season. Or did we um, that up? Or did Mother Nature have the highest grade of the week? Mother Nature, I would say, had the highest grade of the week. Um, you look across the you look across the board at this, you know. So overall defensive grade for the for the Browns is a sixty one point seven. Um, that's basically kind of like right in where they've been, um, which is not great, but not super terrible. Um, coverage wise, it was one of their better, decently actually one of their better performances a year, maybe. Um, definitely you know, a top three performance for them, which is but at a 60.62.0. It's uh, – Mother Weather took took care of it. They made some key stops, you know, like they, they gave up a couple of drives, but they stalled – like that the, offense, the Houston Texans offense stalled at, like, say, the 30, and then they decided to punt it, you know, or then they missed the field goal, or you stuffed them at the, the goal line on that fourth down play. Yeah. So you gave up – you gave up some drives, which – you know, you made the key stops, which is great. Um, but a part of that is a little of that is luck that you were able to do that too. Bend, but uh, don't break type stuff. Yeah. And well, it's also nice when you can't count on, you know, just you, a kicker being able to make a 45 yard field goal. Right. And, and it kind of like, so like defense is, is dictated on the offense. So like a lot of people go point back to the Baltimore Ravens week four game last year, where it's like, Oh, we shut down the, the Lamar Jackson and that offense. It's like, not, not really there was a number of drops in that game. And then Willie Sneed, I think it was Willie Sneed stepping out of bounds as the ball got to him, which yeah, it wasn't was Sneed. Yeah. I know it wasn't Sneed, but I remember the catch where he just inexcusably set up tiptoed on the sidelines, but accidentally had both toes out. Yes, exactly. And, and so there was a number of those. You had a fumble that was just like, like typically fumbles or just fluke plays where they were driving. Um, yeah. You know, Lamar Jackson had, I think two, two interceptions in that game. Um, one was a, you know, like you know kind of going for it all type stuff but it's like that was more di- dictated on the, that offense playing bad or just having some key drops and mishaps versus the browns actually playing well in that game yeah and of so, course by bringing that game up there was an anomaly of a certain safety who um is no i don't even think he's in the nfl anymore because he's got the heavy twitter fingers who had some fun going after people and actually had played like uh you know modern day run ronnie lot that sunday which just yes. goes to show how how things can actually be an anomaly and end up as far as you know, within the grading system over at PFF. We're going to get some general Browns thoughts here uh, with seven games to go. 
uh, just you know, where the team's playing. And this is kind of the part where we'll kick the grades out the window, just talk a little ball here with John Costco as we continue through on Locked on Browns. The improved Bill Bar is even deliciouser. 18 now amazing flavors, including nut and non-nut flavors. Six brand new flavors, caramel brownie, cookies and cream, cherry barcia, lemon almond cheesecake, carrot cake, Apple, almond, crisp, some of your favorites from the 12 original flavors, German chocolate, peanut butter, and banana bread. Browns, uh, I'm sorry, bars are 100% are covered in 100% chocolate. They're soft. They are easy to chew. Built Bar is great for the health-conscious guy or gal. You can lose or maintain weight while indulging in a delicious treat. Bars are low-calorie, low-sugar, high-protein, high-fiber, they are great with the keto diet. The flavor profile for your cookies and cream bar, 17 grams of protein, 130 calories, 4 grams of sugar, 4 grams net carbs. Go to BuiltBar.com. Use the promo code LOCKEDON, all caps, no space, and you'll get 20% off your next order. Again, use the promo code LOCKEDON for 20% off at BuiltBar.com. John, six and three. Two more winnable ones on the schedule here right off the bat. Like you said, there's that lovely New York doubleheader where the games will be played in New Jersey, John, not New York. But, um, John, Philadelphia Eagles coming out this week. Um, and if the, the Eagles have done this the last couple of seasons where it's kind of like, oh, boy, the Eagles are going down, the Eagles are going down, and then all of a sudden, next thing you know, we're watching a Saturday afternoon. 4.30 playoff game in the Philadelphia Eagles are playing. It don't look like that this year, John. Um, it don't look like that at all. And with this loss recently to the New York Giants on Sunday, this looks like another, you know, essentially, you know, pig waiting to be, you know, put the slaughter and thrown on the grill here. Um, and look, with the simplicity of what you do defense, as long as the defense at least gives an effort like they did on Sunday against the Texans. There should be no excuses why we're not talking about seven and three a week from now. All right. Um, Carson Wentz is grading as one of the worst quarterbacks over the past uh, probably 20 games now. Um, I remember looking at it last year and then through the beginning of this season, um, he was the worst graded quarterback during that time frame. And then, you know, you, you got guys like Dwayne Haskins and Nick Mullins coming in and Kyle Allen playing like absolute garbage and making him look a little, look a little bit better, but right. His, his essentially some of those names are guys who are not supposed to be playing anyway. Right. Exactly. So with, with Carson, with Carson Wentz, um, I mean, he's, he's, we know that he has talent. Like I think that's something like this team has talent. Like they should be better than what they've been playing. That I think that is, I think everybody can agree to that. Right. So, the, the weird thing is that the fact is they, they just keep making having these gaps that getting beat by the Giants, who we all know does not have a good team. I think the Giants are maybe a little bit better than what maybe everybody thinks, but they shouldn't be beating the, the, the Philadelphia Eagles. So with Wentz, you know, he's grade, grading as one of the worst quarterbacks in the NFL over the past 20 games. Um, this offensive line has had a lot of injuries, so they're, they're putting, you know, patchwork together. So when Wentz, with the way his style of play is, um, he likes to do a lot of ab lib stuff and scrambling around and then, you know, throwing these miracle plays. That's super unsustainable. 
Um, so when you his his ability and what you know Doug Peterson did really well um, early in his career was to you know hey play within the structure, but to you know let him do what he does when he has to do it. Now when you got an offensive line that really can't protect him on a, on a consistent basis, he's just running around like a chicken with his head cut off. Um, but this defense still, I mean, you still got Fletcher Cox, you still got Brandon Graham. Those guys are going to get after you. Um, and this defense, you know, they have, they have some exotic looks to it. So it's going to cause, you know, it's going to cause that, you know, Baker and the offense, um, you know, Hey, second guessing and, and just making sure that you, you're playing sound fundamental football there. So um, this is a game that they, they should win obviously on paper. Uh, but the, um, the fact of the matter is that that, that Eagles team still has a lot of talent on it. And you saw what they were able to do against, against Pittsburgh, against Baltimore. They, they took them to the ropes, something that the Browns were not able to do. So um, this is, I'm not expecting them to go into there and have any type of a blowout. You look at the, the Texans as well. It's another team that on paper, the Browns should beat. They did, but it's going to be a battle and they need to show up ready. And I think, I think they will. I think this coaching staff is, is good enough to do that. I think it's, um, but I think Brown should, should be able to win this game coming out of the victory. Uh, but I don't expect it to look pretty again, just because that's not the style of play that the Browns have right now. It doesn't look pretty as long as they get the W and that's what matters. You just use the phrase. We have the confidence in this coaching staff to get it done. It's so nice to say that John. Because um, that's never really probably ever rolled out of anybody's tongue. On can can you imagine? Can you imagine Freddie Kitchens trying to manage the pandemic-led <laughs> rounds this year? Like he would have, he would have had, he would have had COVID day one, and his dumb ass still would have showed up to the building. It, it, it's just there's no way that his he would have been or, had an, any type of organization to making sure that these guys stay in line, get their stuff done, have these these meetings on, on zoom, all that stuff, just what you have to do and just, Hey, hey well, guess what? We can come back into the building now. Okay. Let's, let's manage that. The, Kevin Stefanski and the staff is just a, a phenomenal job of being able to just keep this team together in, in this, you know, this weird year where you can't, I can't, I mean, think of even Hugh Jackson, the regime and, you know, obviously the Freddie kitchens and, you know, previous regimes. Like I just don't know how any of those other guys would, would have been able to do it especially as a first-year guy. Um, so you have to really, really give props to this coaching staff and, and front office for just being able to manage this and do it you know, extremely well. And also picking your guys up off the mat when you face the two basically biggest bullies within your division, took one in the mouth, and were able to you know, right the confidence, right the ship, and say, look, you know, that doesn't mean next week's not attainable, it's not winnable, and get the guys going you know, back. John, offensive side of the ball, defensive side of the ball. Take the PFF grades, throw them out the window here. What are you seeing that way you're liking? What are you seeing that maybe you think could be a little cause of concern that maybe nobody else has seen? I mean, liking in terms of offense side, I think you have to love this offensive line. They have one, the the best offensive line in football, and I think everybody sees that. I, I don't. Maybe they see that the offensive line is really good, and I don't know if they know how good it really is, um, especially with Wyatt Teller back in that lineup. So. Um, you, you, you have the, the makings of a unit that can stay together for the next five years and really be dominant. And that is absolutely what you want. And the longer this, these, this unit can stay together, the better, um, from a, from a, what I don't like standpoint, um, 
offensive wise, like I mean, it's just I mean, I think it's I think it's the passing game, right? I think it's just the limited uncertain. I mean, it's just the uncertainty around Baker. Um, I think everybody everybody sees that, um, and I don't I don't I don't know if there's a a secret thing that I can I can put out there, but we've talked about it at nauseum. So it's it's more of a you know we have to kind of wait and see until we get some good weather to see a more you know what it actually looks like a real passing attack in you know in a normal flow of a game of not 60 mile an hour winds um defensive side i think it's i think it's um it i like to see i like the progress that they're making so like one of the things that probably most people didn't see in this past game up until this past game um whenever the rounds are in the zone denzel ward was always at the left cornerback always first play of the game that they ran zone ward was on the right side so it made you think oh they're going to be a man he switched it up. They were actually in zone. They, they had not shown that once all year, as, as far as I, my memory can tell me. And I was, I've charted every single Browns defensive play and, and from a pass perspective. So um, they, they would keep switching things up from pre and post snap. There's a lot of nuance there where it looks like something that they're going to run pre snap. And then they always are running something different post snap. Um, they, and that's probably one of the reasons why they were showing up having a lot of busts early in the years, because that creates a lot of communication that everybody needs to be on the same page with. Um, so I think that is a nuance that people might not see that defense is because of what Joe Woods is doing and what he's implementing there, that back end, once they start getting better players there and just more gel together, there's going to be a lot of, you know, big problem for, for, uh, for opposing offenses, which is great to see. Uh, yeah, I, I, I totally agree with you. Um, and I, I think with knowing that they don't essentially have enough ammunition on the defensive side of the ball, you see that Joe Woods is continuously and forever trying to switch things up and taking the better players, Ronnie Harrison, and realizing, look, you know, if I need something done, essentially, maybe I'm going to have to ask 33 to do it. Like where you said, you know, obviously now, you know, him coming after the quarterback a little bit. Um, so trying to, you know, kind of like chess, you know, you use your best pieces to hopefully try, you know, to win you, you know, win the game. Essentially, this has been one listeners have wanted us to ask this week. John Costco, six teams in the AFC currently sit six and three. Besides January 3rd, will we see the Cleveland Browns play again this coming January? I believe so, because they have the easiest second easiest or second easiest schedule going forward in the, in the rest of the season you've got i think you have easily three more wins on the schedule and that's the the two new york teams and the jaguars i think those are locked in that gets you nine wins then you've got pittsburgh baltimore tennessee tennessee's kind of floundering that's a that's a very tough game all four, three of those games will be tough um so that kind of seems like they hit their max with ryan Tannehill. Maybe we'll see. I mean, maybe they're just going through a rough stretch right now, but I think, um, you know, I, and I, I would expect them to be able to turn around because I think that's a, that's a very good team. So that would be a battle. And maybe let's say you put all those out, right. Say maybe those are all losses. So that gets you, and that, that gets you at 10 and, and uh, five for the season or 10 and six, right No, for 10 and five, whatever. No, nine is nine and six. Sorry. Nine and six. So it's this game. I think is a big game to be able to to have to win this game that gets you to ten and six. Because you already cost yourself with Las Vegas, right? Exactly. So that would get you more than likely get you into the playoffs at that point at ten and six. Especially now, with seven teams this year. Yeah. Imagine imagine going ten and six and being and getting missing out in the playoffs in the first year. They have seven seven teams make it right. So 
Um, <laughs> that would be that would be 2020 in a nutshell. So um, I do believe. Well, it'd be 2020 Browns. Cleveland Browns in a nutshell is what it would be, John. Yeah, right, right. For for Cleveland Browns fans, it'd be like, uh, what more can go wrong in 2020? So, um, but no, I think they'll be. I think they'll be dancing in in January. So. Yeah, and what I think though is is because what they have that works for them so well, it it could be beneficial. I mean, you know, later in the season, look, nobody's going to want to deal, you know, in week fifteen, week sixteen, with Wyatt Teller's maniac ass coming around the end, you know, looking to end you. You know, guess what, guys? I'm going to tap on out here. I ain't going to set my edge. I'm not going to actually do what I'm supposed to do. I'm going to make sure Wyatt Teller doesn't kill me or humiliate me. Uh, you know, things of that nature, and you know. You have two backs, and you don't have to get either one of them with 30, 30 carries. Um, both finding ways to excel within this system. So uh, with that, I mean, I, I just – well, I mean, you, you can't – the thing is you cannot lay an A. You can't spit a bit in any of these games that are there to be had because then you're putting some serious, serious pressure on yourself to win some games. You know, and look, I mean, you know, maybe Baltimore – maybe the – you know, maybe the level is closed a little bit more as I think Baltimore, it's great that they invested in the wide receiver position. It just doesn't seem like they know how to use it, John. Uh, they, they, I don't think they have the, I think, I think people will kind of overrate the talent that they have the wide receiver position. So like Mark, Marquise Brown, speedster, right? You body him up, he's toast, right? So he's, he's, he's not Tyreek Hill. Right. So like Tyreek, the difference between he and Tyreek Hill is that Tyreek Hill is like a, like a specimen, like he is thick. Former running back, he's built. Is absolutely built. Whereas as Marquise Brown, same type of speed. Maybe like a, I don't think there's anybody that's Tyreek speed, but he's just thin and wiry and doesn't have that type of power. So Tyreek Hill is has is a special athlete type thing. So like Marquise Brown, you body him up, he's he's done for. And I think you got to get physical with him. Um, and then uh, Devin Duvernay, speed guy, but I think. Um, they don't know how to utilize him right just yet. Mark, uh, who's the other guy from Miles Boykin? Yep, he's just an athlete. I, I've never seen him to be more than anything more than just an athlete playing the wide receiver position. Um, you have to prop. You know, he's not a great route runner. Doesn't have great ball skills. Um, he's a good. He's a just an athlete there. So. I think the book is out on on this team and how to stop them. You put out, you, you know, you put the smaller guys out there, get speed out there, dime packages to be able to to match Lamar's speed when he, with his legs, and then play man, which is a dip, which is a weird thing to do against um, the Ravens. You know, considering that when you typically play in man, you don't have guys being able to get their eyes on Lamar to you know go and get him when he breaks pocket. Which is probably a better thing because if you can get, you can get your pass rush to be disciplined to contain him, then you're making him one dimensional, which is exactly what you want. So I think I definitely I think the the book is out and how to stop him. Um, and I th- and you know I think the Browns week one was just a bad matchup based off of. I mean, it's a, probably the worst matchup you could have week one for the Browns. So um, I think next time around it's going to be a much you know, much more physical game, much, much closer. Uh, I certainly, certainly. And, you know, we'll see. Look, folks, seven to go, six and three. Um, look, if you were gonna, anybody was going to tell you six and three going into week 11, uh, week 11, it, it, look, you're all going to shut up and take it. So let's just shut up and take it and enjoy the ride for whatever it is. And obviously we've got football to get us through 
as crazy as times uh, here as far as, you know, 2020 COVID. Wins are wins. Enjoy them. 100%. He is John Costco. Uh, Make sure you're following at John Costco 3 on Twitter. Uh, All the work from PFF, uh, the guys over there, they do a ridiculous job, uh, you know, putting out, you know, the content week in, week out for everybody here, uh, you know, uh, with, you know, the amount of uh, film work everybody does and grades and, <clears throat> Always thankful to get the time here that we do with John uh, f- uh, at Lockdown Browns at Jeff underscore LJ underscore Lloyd. Uh, follow you know, both the accounts. The DMs are open, guys. Uh, questions, ideas, you know, always here. I try to do my best for you to respond in that nature. Uh, Lockdown Browns, iTunes, Spotify. Make sure you're subscribed. Five star ratings, written reviews. Uh, Eagles Week. We turn the page here. You'll get your crossover uh, episode tomorrow with Lou DiBiase. Um, and, you know, then your pregame will be towing up again on Sunday. Fingers crossed everything can stay well with the health of the roster, whereas the building was opened up back today. Um, no contract, uh, no contact tracing. Uh, just hopefully, you know, fingers crossed here. We can, uh, you know, make it through the rest of the week without any issues being ready to go on Sunday. This has been your daily delivery of all things Dog Pound, LGB on the LOB. Let's go Browns.